Welcome to Tales, Tunes, and Tom Fullery, starring Jerry Springer, along with Gene Galvin and me. I'm Megan Hills. We're recorded live in front of a brilliant studio audience at the Folk School Coffee Parlor in Ludlow, Kentucky. My daddy came home. And here he is, ladies and gentlemen, the one, the only, Mr. Jerry Springer. Oh, thank you. Thank you. Thank you. He's so, here. yeah, what, Gene, what, what is happening in your life? Oh, there's just too much. Okay, well, thanks a lot. That was good. Anyway. Hey, we've got uh, Lance Rogers. We had Lance Rogers yeah. on last week. We loved him. Got a great backstory. Really relatively new to songwriting. And the quality of his music uh, belies the short time period that he's been working on this told us this great story about he thinks he's buffering like a computer, you know, where the computer is sort of catching up. I really like that analogy. That's a great, yeah. And and that he's buffered, he's, he buffered and now he's caught up in his life where now he's doing what maybe he was supposed to do and time will tell. Uh, But he's uh, become quickly a successful songwriter. So you're going to hear him in a few minutes. Megan's going to have a conversation with him. He's uh, from Berea, Kentucky, which is kind of a hotbed of of traditional country slash Americana music. And that's where he was born and raised, went to the Berea College uh, High School. They had a high school, a progressive school back in the 60s and beyond. Uh, I think it still exists. And he's a product of that. So we're going to talk to Lance in a minute. Hey, Jerry, um, and I always say the heart of our podcast are, is the thought that you we call it the commentary or rant uh, at the beginning of the podcast. And we, you and I were joking before the show about uh, does Congress ever surprise us? Has Congress ever surprised you? And if so, how? Yeah, well, the headline that grabbed my attention this week was a surprise, but the surprise was that it was that it was a surprise at all. I had first thought that it was just an article that my wife had laid out for me that she'd found in an old newspaper from my childhood. But no, it was the morning paper. The United States Senate had just voted to outlaw lynching. What? (laughs) Just voted? Well, apparently the passage of this bill came after nearly 200 attempts over the past 100 years. A reasonable question is why on earth did it take so long? Well, let's face it. In a nation of over 320 million people, there are bound to be some folks with a callous, if not evil heart, who find no problem with the hypocrisy of going to church on Sunday, singing God Bless America during the seventh inning stretch, and pledging allegiance to the flag, while at the same time being perfectly comfortable in the presence of prejudice and bigotry, even their own. Perhaps they mask their guilty conscience by blaming whatever uneasiness they feel in all this political correctness that's going around, as if there are no real moral issues here. It's all just political correctness. Now, politicians, of course, can't admit to any racial prejudice, so they come up with what they see as a more acceptable justification for their blocking of any and all civil rights legislation. They simply argue states' rights. Gee, I'm not against people of color. Some of my best friends are black. But this piece of legislation is just not the best way to fix the problem. 
This is a matter for the states, not the federal government. Well, while it's true that crime and public safety are generally the subject of state law, crimes against the United States are federal crimes. And lynching, by its very purpose, is a crime not just against the individual, but against our nation, against the rule of law, the very sanctity of our constitution that guarantees due process, the right to trial by jury, all within the framework of the Bill of Rights, and all of which the act of lynching brutally tosses aside. It is an act adopted by a white community to terrorize a black population into subservience. Don't dare cross us, stay away from our women, out of our neighborhoods, and address us only when spoken to. This is what lynching did and why it was mostly done with a crowd watching and the body left hanging for all to see, particularly blacks, sheer horrific terror in which if there is a hell, those who participated and condoned it will eternally burn. Of course, lynching rarely, if at all, happens anymore. So why has it taken 100 years and nearly 200 attempts to pass an anti-lynching bill when clearly overwhelmingly most Americans today would be sickened if it still occurred? It's because what hasn't changed is the reality that we still have right-wing politicians who are forever afraid of being viewed as soft on defending the symbols of the Old South, be it the Confederate flag, statues of Confederate generals, or yes, the age of lynching. Now let's agree that these George Wallace wannabes are a minority in our halls of government, but they still hold power way beyond their numbers. They're still able to block any program, any legislation, any appointments that would help us evolve from and rectify our racial past. Decades ago, their power came from their committee chairmanships, which back then were determined by seniority. Southern senators invariably had seniority because since the Civil War, the South had become a one-party region, Democrat in reaction to Republican Lincoln freeing the slaves. So their re-election, these Southern senators, was virtually inevitable. And as a consequence, the eventual seniority. So we see how just a few Southern senators though a minority, had the power to block any bill or policy that would promote racial equality. Nowadays, the main power of a minority dedicated to defeating any racially progressive legislation comes not from committee chairmanships, but from the Senate's failure to eliminate the filibuster, a filibuster that requires 60 votes to pass a bill. That means, of course, a mere 41 out of 100 senators can defeat, and usually do, most efforts to secure a modicum of racial justice. This is why, on matters so seemingly obvious as outlawing lynching, our government still seems unresponsive to the will of the majority. If you wonder what we mean by institutional racism, this is a perfect example of how institutions can not only create racist policies, but by their rules and structure, make it so difficult to erase, in Lynching's case, for more than a century.
Uh, good one, Jerry. I had no idea that that was even, it, it never even occurred to me that that would still be legal. Like, I, it, I didn't know either. I didn't even know. Now, in, in many states, if not most, uh, the states will outlaw it. But yeah. the fact that such a bill couldn't get 100 senators over the past 100 years to say, yeah, yeah eh, Lynch is Maybe we wrong. shouldn't do it. It looks bad. It looks bad. It's bad PR. <laughs> well, keep keep your analytical, uh, your, your, as we used to say way back, keep your thinking cap on. Because what the hell is going on in your Florida? Yeah, you're, what is wrong yes. with Florida? Yeah, you, uh, you're, there was a book written, you know, what's the matter with uh, Kansas? Kansas. Yeah. So now the question is, what the hell what's is the matter wrong with, with Florida? Florida? And by well, the way, just to set this up for you, yeah. uh, it has gotten so insane that you have Governor DeSantis, the governor of Florida, fighting with Walt Disney, Disney World. World. <laughs> yeah. And then you have Mike DeSantis saying that he's going to save children from math, which he says is racist. The textbooks yes. in Florida are racist. He also has pushed through a law that says that you can't say gay. Yep. At least that's how it's being in characterized. Schools, yeah. Don't say sense. gay. What the hell is happening in Florida? One of my favorites real quick was they had these guys that had a DeSantis flag in front of the Disney World um, logo or whatever down at the entrance. And what they didn't realize is that it was a tie dye rainbow flag. And so it looked like it was like it looked like it was a gay parade in front oh, of God. Disney World. And here it was, it was a DeSantis flag. <laughs> it made well, me so happy. Yeah, yeah it's 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 embarrassing. It's horrible. Uh, the, the quick answer is DeSantis uh, is running for president yeah. and he first has to win the primary. And that means he has to out Trump Trump. Yeah. And uh, it, it's that basic. So, you know, he's the what scares me about DeSantis is he's like a smart Trump. In other words, with Trump, you could always kind of laugh off pretty much of a joke, you know, did a lot of damage. But, you know, he was a, from the circus. But DeSantis is an educated person. Yeah. And but yet he's willing to go into the gutter and do the exact same things Trump is doing. So, you know, he outlawed 51 textbooks. Math books, as you said, have been taken off the shelves, can't be used by our schools in Florida anymore because he thinks, as you said, they promote critical race theory. How how does a math book, unless you have for the kids, okay, three plus three, and you have pictures of three black children and three white children, and how many children do you see? You know, and that by showing a black child in a textbook. That's imposing, uh, you know, progressive views on a, a child that a kid would grow up to think that being black is OK. It's just it's sick. And you can't ask you this. When gay you... And it's uh, but, you know, if there's a public here. Let's be honest. There's a significant part of Florida that that eats this stuff up. I saw a 
a boat going by three days ago with an American flag on the boat, on the back of the boat, and right next to it on that same boat, the Confederate flag. I mean, what grown-up today, I mean, does that, if it's a guy that does not have a wife that says, honey, what are you doing? Oh, you know, if you have the American flag, God bless you. But don't then say the American flag doesn't mean anything because you also have a flag supporting the Confederate that wanted to destroy the United States of America and killed all these um, American soldiers. It's just it's so sick and dangerous. Here's a question. They're voters. And you and you I'm sure you're dead right about, you know, they're trying to go. He's trying to go very extreme to keep a solid base of support from conservative Republican extremists. But do you get the sense in Florida just going to the grocery store and you live in in the Sarasota area and it's it's just one place. You know, no, no, no person can live somewhere and judge an entire area. Megan just referenced Kentucky with Confederate flags. When I rode a bicycle across almost all of Kentucky last summer, I saw plenty of Confederate flags. But it's not necessarily indicative of the broad view of Kentuckians. We have a governor in Kentucky who is a Democrat, Brashear. He's pretty progressive, by the way. So there's my question to you. Is DeSantis shooting himself in the foot? by going this insane, because the examples we're giving, this is insanity of taking on the Walt Disney Corporation. Today, he's working to stop their status of some level of self-governance that goes back to 1968, and he's getting the Florida legislature to revoke that. The don't say gay bill, the, he couldn't, in a, a news conference yesterday, explain to any media people how the hell you get critical race theory into elementary school math books. He's looking like a fool, and he is educated. And yeah. Trump is a fool. I mean, we yeah. three all probably would. Donald Trump's a clown. DeSantis is, you said it perfectly, he's far more intelligent. But is this guy gone crazy? How do you think Floridians see him on balance? Well, Florida has always, no, has always, that's not true. Uh, Florida has, at least in the last 50 years, been three states. There's right. the northern part of Florida, which is Alabama and Mississippi in terms of their cultural and political outlook. Okay. The middle part of um Florida, which is Orlando, that's the Midwest. And that's really the balance. Okay. And the Southern part, except for the West Coast where I am, uh, that's the the East Coast, New York, Massachusetts, Washington, DC. In other words, the state developed by the interstates. And that if you lived on the East Coast, you came down to Florida by going down I-95. And so the whole East Coast of Florida is, as I said, New York, Washington, D.C., Philadelphia, Hmm. Baltimore, et cetera. The West Coast of Florida is I-75. So you've got Michigan, Indiana, uh, you know, Ohio, obviously. And so you get the Midwest to settle the West Coast of Florida. 
But the, the so you have three different states. All DeSantis is thinking about is beating Trump in Florida. If DeSantis beats Trump in Florida, he's got the nomination. And he's it's a Republican primary. So every other voter doesn't count if you don't first win the primaries. He's figuring if you're DeSantis, just do whatever you can, win the Republican primary, knock Trump out. And the way to knock Trump out is to beat him in Florida. If he beats him in Florida and he gets the Republican nomination, he is then counting on what he thinks he thinks Biden is vulnerable. And if it isn't Biden, Biden, he thinks the Democratic Party will split up because there'll be such a fight for the nomination from the left and from the more moderates. And so the Democratic Party could be the divided party. You know, as a Democrat, I hope dearly that Trump is the candidate because Trump could never be elected president again. Uh, if he couldn't win in 2016 when he had the power of the excuse me, 2020, if he couldn't win in 2020 when he had the power of the presidency and still lost by 8 million votes, being out of office and having no particular clout other than on other Republican politicians, there's no way he can be elected again. But if Trump doesn't get the nomination, the Democrats have a problem. And that's what DeSantis is counting on. Just win the nomination, then he can get some commercials that say, I was only kidding or whatever, you know. He'll mask over it. That's so his strategy. Trying, I'm not saying trying it worked. Out Trump, Trump in Florida. Yeah. Wow. That's, that is as simple as that. You know, Jerry, when you, uh, prospect. in the last episode, you referenced, uh, you did a, a commentary that tied into your donating money to Liz Cheney as being a courageous Republican who was willing to take on the big lie and the teller of the big lie, Donald Trump. I followed suit. You you donated money. I then, after hearing your analysis, I that night went online and I gave some money. And you're getting mailers every day. I'm getting mailers every day. And it's uh, it's absurd because you you can't find uh, more progressive Dems, not many than you, you and and I. Yeah. And so we're getting this push. But you just said something that I agree with 100% also, and that is we got to get Donald Trump renominated. He is our path. I don't know if it would be an easy victory, but he's our best shot to win the presidency uh, three years down the line. Yeah. And, you know, I think to myself, damn, I would give money. I would make phone calls for Trump. <laughs> I will work for this guy yeah. in the primary process to get him. Uh, nominated because I think, I don't know. I just can't see it. He couldn't do it. in uh, you know, a year ago, I don't know how that, because he's only a bigger fool. And yeah, he's yesterday's news. He's, you know, even when he does his rallies now, you know, they're getting a handful of people, uh, you know, and, and the problem is, this time, there's so there are a bunch of other Republicans that would like to have the nomination. Heck yeah. So they're not all going to, as soon as the 2022 elections are over and you don't have to have the party unity, then right. it's every person for themselves. Uh, man and, and woman. Yeah, yeah. yeah man Nikki and Nikki Haley and Nikki Haley. And- they're all going to be, they're not just going to 
roll over and say, okay, it's Trump, it's Trump, it's Trump. They're, they're right. thinking of their own careers. Right. And uh, so, yeah, I think that it'll be a, uh, it'll be pretty messy. I still think Trump can win the nomination. I just don't well, think. Gene, I hope you have fun making president. those phone calls because you will be doing <laughs> yeah. that on your own. I, I would I like a tape of donating. you trying to convince some some Republican to vote for Trump. Okay. Hi, hi. This my name's Gene Galvin. <laughs> yeah. And, uh, yeah, I'm calling on behalf of Donald Trump. You call yeah. me, and I so help so help me God, Gene Galvin. I will yeah, track yeah. you down. Make America great again and again and again and, and, and again. again. Well, he's made Russia great. He's tried to make Russia great again. I'll say that. Yeah, I'll tell you, man. Yeah, but but uh, yeah, he's he's got missteps at at every turn. But uh, anyway, we we had Lance Rogers on last week. Hey, Lance, Uh, welcome back. Yay! Hey, Lance. All right, Lance. So I have a question. I know, Gene, we had briefly mentioned it last time. Now you went to Berea High School. Did you actually go to the college as well? I applied and I got accepted, but I'd never started. You never started. Okay. Very cool. Tell us a little bit about, cause we've very briefly touched on it, but it's such a cool college and it's, it's uh, just tell us a little bit of the background on it. It was a, um, the college was started in the 1850s. It was uh, started for an equal chance for everybody to have a good education. So blacks and whites together, which is unheard of. Um, it got shut down during the civil war for a brief amount of time. And then when it's, when it opened back up, it was opened back up with restrictions. And so, but they, um, they were, the land that it sits on was actually given, given to Berea College originally by Cassius Clay, who he was a, um, he was brothers with Henry Clay, who was like a politician in Lexington, yeah. Kentucky. Oh yeah. But he was part of the Underground Railroad. And so um, he, but the very roots of this place is, is, is source inequality. And um, Berea College, it's been that it's been rooted in that. And I, you know, being raised in Berea, I felt that my entire life. Um, it's a, it's the arts and crafts capital of Kentucky, yeah. and it's it's a very artsy place to live in. Right, um, a lot of people think Kentucky is backwoods and all that, but you come to you come to Berea, and it feels it feels different. Yeah, it, it does. does. And I like I said, yeah. I've been to that city. It's it's really something special. Do you think? I mean, maybe this, like you, like we said, you didn't start writing until a few years ago, but do you think just being around that had an influence on you, that artistic kind of openness um, around you gave you any inspiration at all? It definitely did. I remember um, as a, even in elementary school, uh, we had musicians coming to, to school all the time, playing uh, different concerts. And um, from the, the time I was a little kid, we were, we were always immersed in, um, in the arts and, you know, you know, as I got into it later on in life, but you know, that I kind of feel like that was, it was kind of, it's kind of boiling in the background the whole, my whole life. And, you know, it came to, it came to a point where this is what I want to do. And, um, you know, being in, being in this environment from the time I was a little kid is definitely, it definitely helped. Very cool. I de- I definitely encourage our listeners to go out and look, uh, do a little bit of research on Berea College because it is something special. Um, I remember just in camps and stuff when I was a teenager, uh, meeting some kids that had gone there and that were going there. And it was really, they put out some incredible talent and it's just a really cool environment. So definitely check that out. And while you're doing that, why don't you tell us uh, the song that you're going to play for us this evening, sir? We got, uh, and I'm going to say it wrong, the Coyotes Call. You got it. It's uh, not- 
<laughs> yeah. <laughs> the Kaya's part right. It's Kaya's cry. Kaya's cry. Okay. I lived in a small town called um, Waco, Kentucky for a while. And I lived on this cattle farm. And my landlord, he he was probably, he was in his mid-80s at the time. And most of the time he drove around these huge John Deere tractors, completely enclosed, air-conditioned, radio. But every once in a while, I would see him on his old 1940s tractor. And he would have his bib overalls on, his old ball, his old cap. And I would see him taking across the field. And I, you know, one night I saw him taking across the field. And I, I thought to myself, what is, you know, what's going through his mind? He's got to be thinking about, um, all the work that it took to get to this point. He's thinking about his wife that he lost to cancer. He's thinking about all these different things. And every once in a while, he would say, hey, Lance, come over here. We'd go to the barn. And we'd, we'd tip back a couple beers. And we'd watch the sunset. While we just, half the time, he didn't say anything. We would just like sit there and watch the sunset. And I remember this one night in particular, he would, we would hear some coyotes crying off in the background. And for some reason, I thought, these are almost like spirits that have gone on. And so I, that, that's what inspired this song coyotes cry that whole, just uh, meeting him, the whole scenario, the song is basically about um, growing older and self-medicating is what the song's about. And so Very that's cool. It's a great backstory. Yeah, yeah. it is. Yeah. You can picture that, man. You can just picture yeah. that scene. That's beautiful. All right. Here we have Lance, Lance Rogers with coyotes call cry coyotes cry. <laughs> <laughs> and is this off of that self-titled album as well, sir? Yes, it's on the album, and I can't wait for you to hear it. Excellent. Here we go. Flowering fields of dust Praying for some rain A normal man will crush Under all the weight Mended holes and fences Crying with the coyotes Like they can feel his pain And there's a full moon tonight When all his work is done He'll pull out the mason jar
Ladies and gentlemen, we were listening to Lance Rogers with Coyotes Cry. You can check out that song and the song from last week, Outside the Lines, and many others on his newly newer released self-titled album, Lance Rogers. Uh, Lance, tell us where we can check you out. Um, and if you have any other plans for recording anything new in the future here. Spotify and iTunes and Deezer, anywhere you basically anywhere you download music, you can get my music. Um, you can check my website out, LanceRogersMusic.com. And I do have plans. Um, I don't know exactly how it's going to pan out, but I have, I've got a bunch of songs that I want to get out. And, um, you know, my albums, it's got some sad songs on there. I've got some more that I'm writing right now that are more up-tempo kind of honky-tonk sounding songs, make you want to dance, but they're still like, even some of the topics are sad, but you know, sometimes it's best if you can, if you can write a side song people want to dance to, I'm telling you, it's a win-win. And so that's where I'm at. <laughs> it's going to awesome. be, be a full album, but I, I definitely want to get some more music out very soon. Well, definitely listeners go check him out and we look forward to anything else. And hopefully we'll be able to have you back again when you have some new music out and we can listen to that. In the meantime, I hope all is well down there in Berea. And while you are checking out Lance, please make sure that you go to our web pages as well. Jerry Springer podcast, our Facebook page, our Instagram, follow us, leave us messages. We'll be happy to get back to you. Leave us questions. I mean, you've got Jerry Springer here. Ask him a question. I know you have one <laughs> until next time we're going to take you out with uh, down by the riverside thanks guys gonna lay down my heavy load down by the riverside down by the riverside down by the riverside I'm gonna lay heavy load down by the riverside I'm gonna study war no more I ain't 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 gonna study war no more 
tales, tunes, and tomfoolery, recorded live at the Folk School Coffee Parlor in Ludlow, Kentucky. Thanks to Patrick Kennedy for writing our opening song, and to you for listening. Check out our website at jerryspringer.com. Thanks for having us. You guys are great.